WDW for Families, the original family-friendly trip planning podcast, helping you plan your Disney vacation for over five years. All right, welcome to WDW for Families, and we are here once again with you. So we have we've returned to somewhat regular podcasting. This is always good, and and we've got a group of uh, podcasters with us, and for the first time in over a year. We're going to be debuting a new cast member tonight. We're excited about that. But first, let's introduce a couple of the old heads here. Uh, the oldest of all, Randy Whitman. How are you, Randy? Well, I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah, Randy joins us. Randy, you were away from us the last couple of shows. How have you been doing? I'm all right. I'm doing great. I watched the uh, Oppenheimer film, and now I'm in the rabbit hole of all things nuclear. And I'm, I'm, I'm prepping now. That's what's going to happen. I'm, I'm now going to be ready for an attack. That's what's happening. Good to know. You seem, you seem the exact opposite of the prepper type. So. Yeah. No, I'm not really going to do anything. <laughs> but I'll, okay. I'll watch. I'll watch a couple hours of YouTube videos, though. Okay. All right. Let's go over to Texas. Kevin, how are things with you? Oh, they're fantastic. I just did uh, like a four-night vacation in the San Antonio area with uh, some friends of ours, and we had a blast, and I am ready for whatever comes for the next three months, and I'm good. All right. Well, so uh, we're excited to introduce our new cast member. Charity was supposed to join us tonight. She may be here later. Uh, of course, we never know what the status of the Alabama Flash Rusty Pettis is, but uh, we have Kristen Colvett with us tonight for the first time. And Kristen uh, is a Disney travel agent, Disney uh, travel specialist. I don't know what you exactly call it, but she lives in the Tennessee area. And Kristen, go ahead and uh, say hello and introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Kristen. I have love all things Disney, so I became a travel agent over a year ago, and I'm just excited about talking about Disney World tonight. Yeah, Kristen, and uh, it, we've made acquaintance with Kristen and, and your husband, and uh, that's what we talk about when we see y'all around town, and so uh, Kristen joined, was glad to join us on our podcasting adventure because we needed more female voices on our cast, and uh, Kristen is with us. So we're going to ask you just a couple of questions. We're going to start it off with Kevin. Kevin, you got the first question for Kristen. All right. So uh, we all have children. I'm curious. Do you have children? And if so, what ages? I have a six-year-old and a seven-year-old. Nice. Excellent. Yeah. And, and what, what, what are they like? Did, I, I assume they like going to Disney World. <laughs> what do they like about it? So I asked my daughter, I said, what would you tell somebody if they were going to Disney? And she said that all the rides are so fun. So that was her answer of why everyone needs to go to Disney World. So, did you ask your Did you ask your son that question? Because I'd be really interested to hear what he had to say. He was not in there at the time, so I did not. But he would tell everybody because this last trip we went on, Tron was his favorite ride. He's just barely tall enough. He would tell everybody they need to go to Disney World to ride Tron. That would be probably his main concern for everybody. All right, Randy, you have a question for Kristen. Well, I was just going to ask your favorite hotel. Oh, that's a hard one. I would probably say the Wilderness Lodge. That is one I have not stayed at the last few trips. We've stayed at Old Key West the last few times, but Wilderness Lodge just feels like home. We were at Wilderness Lodge last month in January, and it was snowing here, and that's the perfect time to be in the lodge. Sure is. <laughs> 
Yeah, and that's a popular answer with our panel. Wilderness Lodge is probably a top three from our uh, WDW Families podcast, I would say. Chris, uh, so my question would be, when's the first time you ever went to Disney? And what, what made you fall in love with this thing? I was four the first time I went. Um, so I think what made me fall in love over the years, my dad died when I was little. And that was the time we always got to spend together. And so I remember him every time I go. Oh, that's, that's a very sweet answer. Uh, yeah. That's, and I like to help plan other people because I want them to remember their lifetime of their Disney trips and make it special for them. Yeah. And I, I, didn't, I don't think I had to tell our audience that you were from Tennessee because I think it's pretty clear with your accent, which is really <laughs> awesome. I cannot wait to hear you and Charity talk to each other. That'll be fun. The, the Pennsylvania, Tennessee difference. So, <laughs> all right. Well, welcome. And so we're just going to dive right into our topic tonight, which is really uh, a fun introductory topic. Um, and really, you know, when we started this concept for this podcast 11 or 12 years ago, Randy and I and Rusty met at a, uh, at a uh, Moe's uh, burrito place in Spring Hill, and we talked about what do we want this to look like? And we both, we all said that we just want it to be about helping families plan their trips because there's not a lot of family friendly Disney podcasts out there that are for the specific purpose or purpose of trip planning. And so uh, this one is one of those tonight, right in our wheelhouse. What are the three things you would tell somebody who is planning a Disney vacation for the first time? from scratch they've never done it before and so we're going to help them by giving three answers and the challenge here will be to not steal anybody else's answer i know we all have the same one for one of our three and even before i even talk to kevin or Kristen or randy i know we've got the same one for one of them and i'm going to let randy explain it so Kristen doesn't kind of you know it's not self-promoting kind of thing i'm going to let randy say it so randy what is number one well i will just say Disney takes a lot of planning. It's not as easy as you just walk in and everything's available to you and everything's ready. And so you're going to need a lot of planning. And if it's your first time, you're going to need a travel agent. You're going to need a, a Disney, whatever they call it, certified, you know, uh, planning professional. Uh, that's going to help you know where to stay, what kind of passes you need, where to get your reservation, uh, and do all of that. And the other thing, I, you know, I, maybe our listeners and, and, uh, and you know, our podcast uh, um, uh, partners, maybe they all know that, that, that travel agents are free, but they're, you know, but they are. Um, I should say that, right? Because not everybody knows. Uh, it shouldn't cost you anything. It comes out of uh, Disney's pocket to use a, a travel agent. So that would be my number one, get you a travel agent. Okay, and that, that technically is not going to count because that's all of our number ones, I think. Yeah, so I get you, a bonus. I get no, a bonus. you don't get credit for that. All right, so we're going to go to Kristen. She's going to start us out with the real number one, and then we're <laughs> going to go around. We'll go Kristen, Kevin, Randy, myself. All right, so Kristen, you'll start. Okay, my number one would be to stay on property. Um, it has so many benefits. You have all of Disney's transportation. Um, you don't have to pay for parking. You stay, and 
when people stay off property, I am researching for them because they're, they might have transportation to the parks, but it might cost more. Or if they have to drive their car, then they're going to have to pay for parking. So my main one is property. And there's so many other great things about being on property. The pools, the restaurants, everything. Anybody want to add to that? Because I think we would all agree that's a major one. Randy, I know you are particular, particularly invested in staying on site. I am invested in staying on site. I, I, I just, you know, I'll just echo that it can be affordable. There are deals. Your travel agent can help you get deals. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's great. And I, I will add this. If you can make it, if you can do it, try to stretch for the moderate. Like at least, you know, I mean, if you can do deluxe, that's great. But but <laughs> if, if you can get to the moderate, that's where I'd like to be. Uh, now, see, that's where we would kind of stray off the path. I think I think you're totally fine staying in in the values if you want to, especially if you got little kids. Uh, I agree. It, it, it would right. be a lot of fun either way. Yeah. So, Kevin, let's go to your number one uh, reason, a thing you would tell somebody. Yeah. So for me, it's going to be don't try to do everything. I mean, there's absolutely no way that you are going to conquer Walt Disney World in one trip unless you're going to go for two to three weeks. It's just not going to happen. There's way too much to do. There are, you know, nooks and crannies of things to do that you will want to do in the future. But this first time, just, you know, realize that you may not get even some of the things you really want to do done. So pick and choose, um, figure out what are the things that you really, really want to do and make sure that you hit those things. Uh, but leave, realize that you are leaving things to come back to. It is a massive undertaking and uh, you need to just plan for that. Okay. Anything you want to add to that? That's that. That was obviously one of mine that was stolen pretty quickly. So, <laughs> well, Kristen stole my number one, but I'm going to piggyback on Kevin for my number one, which is yes, there is uh, there's so much to do you can't do it all. In fact, my tip is going to be don't try to do Universal and Disney on the same trip. I know it sounds like it's efficient. We're already down there. Think of all the money we saved in gas from having to take two trips. Well, it doesn't, what, what you saved, you're going to spend extra. The way both Disney and Universal do it, once you've bought three or four or five day tickets, like your extra day is like $8 or $11. Like those extra days cost very little, but it's those first couple days that are the most expensive. So if you try to do three days at Disney and two days at Universal or something like that, you're going to be spending the most amount of money. You're not going to get the full enjoyment of each. So I would say pick one. Um, if you if Harry Potter's your deal, then go to Universal. If you like anything else, you should be at Disney World. All right. Well, I will go ahead and give you my number one, which kind of is similar in vain to those, but it's a little different. It's uh, don't don't rush. Don't wear yourself out. Don't kamikaze the parks five days in a row from eight to eight. Live a little, breathe a little, take a pool day, take a break, go back to the hotel, do some things. You paid for a hotel, enjoy it. 
So I would not just go to the park and spend all day there every day of your vacation. That's a way to make your husband or your wife miserable. It's a way to make your kids uh, not want to sleep for a month after your vacation, make them cranky. Um, that, that's the hardest lesson uh, a lot of Disney folks have to learn because we feel like we're spending a amount of money and it, we kind of treat it like analytics, like, well, I'm spending this amount of money, so I need to get this much enjoyment out of this particular hour that I'm spending. And if it doesn't live up to my expectation, then I'm, then I'm wasting my vacation money, which is a dangerous trap to fall into. As my esteemed colleague, Randy, always says, it's your vacation. You are paying for your vacation regardless. So enjoy it, slow down, and don't treat Disney World like a checklist. All right, let's go over to Kristen for her number two. My number two, can pro it's kind of like your number one. I try to convince everybody to take a rest day, go to the park two days, take a rest day, either enjoy the resort you're at or go and explore the other resorts. We love going over to other resorts and eating lunch or going – and just walking on the boardwalk. It's just, there's so much to see at Disney. There's, it's not just about the parks. There's so much more than just rides and characters. I feel like you've been listening to our podcast and you just haven't been telling us. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> if I listened to it, it was at least over six months ago. Well, that's good. Thank you for that too. Well, <laughs> all right. I'm a nurse. I got lots going on. Yeah. All right. All right, so let's go over to Kevin, number two. All right, so here's the thing. I, I, I don't know that order matters too much, except you really got to start with Magic Kingdom. The first day, you have to go to Magic Kingdom first. I mean, you need that experience of walking in through the tunnel into Main Street with with the castle right there. You need to see Disney World in all of its splendor and experience what Disney is by going to Magic Kingdom first. You can go to any other park on day two, three, four, whatever you want to do, but go to Magic Kingdom the very first day. Do not screw that up. I really like to start my vacation with Magic Kingdom and end it with Magic Kingdom. I agree. Like this, my sweatshirt. It's good to be home. Like we we got to start the week off with Magic Kingdom and end it also on a good note at Magic Kingdom. Yeah, I have taken many a trip to Disney where we haven't started at Magic Kingdom, and it's just kind of odd. Like. Uh, it just feels weird. It really does. I know it's just a mental thing, but walking into Animal Kingdom for your first day and you're like, well, this is great and all, but... Huh. Where's the castle? <laughs> yeah. Where, where's, where's the castle? All right. Randall J., what do you got to say would, here? Yeah, I would say um, under-promise and over-deliver. When you're talking... Because normally what happens is one of the parents, one of the spouses is the planner, and you're trying to make sure that everybody gets, you know, your son gets that toy story that you know he's going to love. Your daughter gets the Frozen you know they're going to love. And your husband gets the, the trip around uh, Epcot or whatever, right? So there's the different things. But don't go around saying, I hope, aren't you excited to meet Elsa? Because that may not happen. And so we're, we're going to be able to see Elsa. 
we're going to be able to to walk by the castle. We're going to see the. There are some things you can promise, but be careful what you promise and what you hype, because you may not get it. That ride may be down that day. Elsa might be sick. The line to see Elsa might be two hours long, and you just decide you're not going to do it. So you, you can't you can't promise everything. So be careful what you promise. Even when you get the reservation for the restaurant, you just don't know. You just don't know. So promise that you're going to have fun. Promise you're going to ride rides and go to the park. But be careful about specifics because you don't you you don't control all that. Okay, my number two, and I'm surprised nobody said this so far, but beware the hidden cost of Disney. So just beware that you're going to be paying a set amount for your hotel. You're going to be paying a set amount for the amusement parks access. But the food is sneaky. Sometimes we don't realize how much that's actually going to be. So maybe look up some menus as to how much a meal inside a amusement park costs these days. Or just the fact that a Coke at the Magic Kingdom is going to run you three seventy-five or four twenty-five, or the 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 the, the bagel that costs five dollars and seventy-five cents at Disney World—that's kind of surprising to you. And it's not just the food being a surprise cost, but just little things that you you just didn't even think about before you went down there. Things like you know tipping your servers or tipping the guy that get your, your bellhop or. You know, the, the fact that the, the kid wants an extra, you know, souvenir for one day and you can't say no. It's just there's going to be some costs that you aren't aware of and it's going to accrue itself. You're going to walk by that arcade every day when you go to the hotel and eventually your kid's going to talk you into going there and spending 10 bucks in the arcade, especially if you have a pool day. So there's just a lot of little things that you need to be aware of. And what I would do is I would do my research if I can on the front end of how much my major costs are and then put a set amount of, of extra money in that you can consider expendable because there's nothing like the agony or the worry of going to Disney and feeling like, do I have enough money for this? And so uh, make sure you're kind of setting some sort of budgetary constraints. I really feel like Randy should comment on this. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm in agreement. I'm in agreement. Yeah. I, I, it is very expensive, but there are ways. Talk to your travel agent. Go to the websites, things like Mouse Savers. There are ways to to go to the local Publix and get your souvenirs there instead of at Disney, right? There are ways to save money. You'll have to be a little creative. And for our family, what we wanted to do was be, you know, spend within our budget, you know, live within our means, but we wanted to go back next year. Or maybe at the beginning, we wanted to go every three years. We couldn't afford to go every year. So we wanted to go every three years. And so by not going crazy and by thinking in advance and planning in advance, we could, we could do it affordably enough that if we, you know, if we canceled cable and canceled the landline back then, that was a long time ago. If we canceled cable and canceled the landline, then you know, together we could over three years save enough for a trip, right? Um, so if you're able, if you're able to go a little more frugally, you might be able to go more frequently. I can remember uh, skimping up change every year and taking it to the bank on you know the day before we were leaving for Disney, and that was our spending money every year, or that was our gas money every year. I remember 
you know, being able to, uh, you know, pay $2,000 and go for the week because we were staying at the cheapest hotel we could. And we were, you know, trying to just get every bang for our buck we could. So, all right, anybody, let's go. Let's go back to round two, round three. Oh, wow, we're already at round three. So let's go to Kristen. I'm going to say to buy Genie Plus, put it in your budget. Like, figure out a way to save enough to do Genie Plus. A lot of people think when they're planning their trip with me, it's their one time they're going to go. They think it's a trip of a lifetime. I know they'll decide to go back again because I can't get enough. But budget in Genie Plus so you can get done the rides and the characters you want to get done. Okay, that's that's. I'm wondering if we get any pushback on that. Is there any pushback on that one at all? There is for me if it depends on the length of your stay and how many times you're going to be going to a specific location. Because I think that if you are going for four days, like like a lot of families, the first time they think they're going for just four days, there's four parks, so they only need to go four days, right? So they're going to get it all in, which we've already advised them not to do that, but. If you are doing Disney that way, absolutely, I completely agree. Do do Genie Plus because you need to be able to uh, to do that. However, if you're heeding some of our advice, which is don't plan on doing everything, take some days off, relax a little bit, then um, then I don't know that you have to have Genie Plus. I think that Genie Plus is for people that are trying to get as much done in a day as you possibly can get done. If you have extra time and you can go stand in line for something and know that if I don't get 20 rides in like I did last time that I went, it's gonna be an okay day. That's my biggest pushback. And I'll say that kind of this this piggybacks from what I said before. If you plan to go on a four day trip, you know, a four park on a six day trip, you wanted to do four parks over six days. Compare the price of Genie Plus to what if I just added two more days? Because you, you know, your initial thought is, well, it's out, it's outrageous. It's like $180 a head to get into the park. Not for days five and six, it's not. It's pretty cheap if you look at days five and six. So you might be able to get a whole day for the price of Genie Plus. So, I am am at agreement, but my people think that they can go for four days and get everything done because they've never done this before, you know? I try to convince people, and some people you can convince, but some think that they just need four park days, and they're not going to be able to get done what they want to see in four park days. You're right about that. Genie Plus. (laughs) Again, compare the price of Genie Plus to a night in a hotel plus a whole day in the park. It might be cheaper to spend another night or two than it would cost to have Disney Plus. I don't know. You'd have to look at the numbers, but it might be. Yeah. I I like it when we disagree some. I mean, you know me. I'm always for it. Hey, your brain work and helping me, you know, fight some people trying to figure out their vacation. Yeah, well, the the thing is, you know, one thing that Randy's always said that I've always, you know, when he first started saying it, it kind of clicked something with me, was just the idea of if you save in one place, you can put it to another. 
And so, you know, we stopped buying, buying park hoppers and started going for two extra days to the park. Like, it, like who didn't? Now, Todd, you're stealing my number three. You're stealing oh, my gosh, number three sorry. here. Let's go to Randy for number three. <laughs> for me, I would say don't buy the park hopper, especially for this I've never been before. I'm going for the first time person. What, what, what do you think you're going to do? You think you're going to go to three parks in a day? You think – you think you're going to get done with Magic Kingdom by three o'clock and you're going to want to hop over somewhere else? No. Get one. You just don't need to spend the extra money. There's no need to park hop. Just stick in that same park. Go. I'm all about going back and taking the nap. That's great. But then you can come back to the same park. Um, and if you're doing the three-day weekend and you can't get all four parks in without that hopper, then I guess you're missing a park. That's what I would say to you. You're going to have to find which park you don't want to go to. If your kids are four and five years old, maybe you're going to Magic Kingdom three times. That's fine. If that's what you want to do. If you want to, you know, uh, for, for me and my family, we're skipping Animal Kingdom. Other people would rather skip Epcot. That's fine. But I'm just saying, for me, I would save the money, especially for a first-time goer. I, I don't think you need the park hoppers. I agree. I, oh, so everybody agrees with me? Is that what I, I'm hearing? We used to do the park hopper every time we went, and I just feel like you waste so much time trying to, you know, get done with part of a park and then go to another. Why not just try to do as much as you want in each park each day? Yeah, I think the biggest difference would be that we're, we're talking about people here on this podcast. We're talking to people, I should say, that are – this is advice for, you know, your first time. What do you need to know? I do believe that there are reasons to get a park hopper, but it's not for the average family with, you know, two, three kids that are trying to go for a week. That's not your average person. If you've been to Disney 10 times and you're really trying to just hit the things you want and those sorts of things, and then sure. But I agree. I think park hopper is way too much for what you get. My exception to Park Hopper would be if you're staying on a monorail resort or you're in behind Epcot and you have access to those parks and you want to finish the day at Epcot every day or you like the idea of, you know, there for food and wine festival and you want to go there multiple days, but you also want to go to the other parks. And if you're staying in an Epcot resort or a Magic Kingdom monorail resort, you probably got the cash to afford it anyways. So I would... That that would be a recommendation for that. Yeah, but 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 the newbie doesn't know any of that. I I, I think the the park hoppers for me. I mean, we all transparency here. We've got the annual passes. Really like them. We hop. We go in for breakfast and then go to the pool and then go back for dinner. Like I'm all about all of that. But for the newbie, there's no need to spend the money. No, and, and not even for the newbie, but just for somebody who goes a lot. Like, just to think about, all, Amanda and I were thinking about, you know, all the money we could have saved in our earlier trips if we'd have stopped just park hopping. And, you know, but just, anyways, it's just it's just a financially wise, I think. Uh, because one of the reasons you buy the pass, Randy, is because you're making a financially wise decision because that's saving you money because yeah. you're going – multiple times during the year so anyways i guess we're ready for my number three wait do i just do i just not get my number three 
No, you don't, Kevin. All Actually, right, we're, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, Kev. You're, you're up. <laughs> I just don't want you to steal mine. Um, so <laughs> here's here's my advice is to choose the time of year you go wisely because um, there are tons of options and there are so many different reasons to go at different times. And you need to, this is one of the reasons a travel agent is so helpful is because you may not know all of the, the crazy weekends that, that are going to be stupid busy that you think are going to be the perfect weekend for you to go, but it's going to be so crowded you're not going to enjoy it. Or maybe your family really loves Halloween, so so choose that time. Or recognize that like the summer is going to be so hot that you may not, doesn't matter if you got Disney, you know, sorry, Genie Plus or not, you're going to be so hot, you're not going to be able to get everything done um, that you want to get done. So just kind of be aware of the time of year you go and make a decision based on, okay, my knowing my family, knowing what we like to do, how we choose to travel, those sorts of things, when you go truly makes a difference. I, I think this this probably should have been said earlier. I think that that probably should have been somebody's number one. I think that's a that's a that's a highly important thing. Let me ask this: uh, If you had kids, let's say between five and ten, when would you go? What would you recommend? But they say I got kids between five and ten. When, when, when should I go? First, I'd, I would ask them when if they would be okay with taking them out of school. Bingo! That's what <laughs> I'd say too. <laughs> ding let's ding ding! You're the winner. Yeah, I think that I think that is a huge line in the sand for a lot of people. And if the answer is yes, then you've opened yourself up to so many options and so many opportunities. That's whenever you can truly make the most out of your trip. If the answer is no, just be aware that you will encounter a lot of crowds unless you want to go at the very beginning of the summer and it's very hot. Um, you just got to recognize that those are kind of your options. Yeah. If, if you, if you say no, I would say go in the summer. And if you're in the South, I would go the last week of May, first week of June. If you're in the Northeast, I'd go whatever the last week of the summer is before school starts. You don't think Kristen Chagred it's too hot. July and August are so hot. I try to tell people that those are, and they're so they're crowded in July. But I guess August would be. It's just hot. I we went in December and it was fifties and sixties every day. And at the end of the day, we were not exhausted. Like we walked twenty something thousand steps a day. But it, it's just I don't know. It's so much more enjoyable if you're not having you know a heat stroke at Disney World. Well, you weren't there December twenty sixth though. No, we left the 23rd. My husband told me we couldn't stay any longer. <laughs> All right. Yeah, every every day closer to Christmas, that park gets crazier and crazier. Oh, it, it was so crazy. But I, 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 I've had people say to me, we're going to go at Christmas because nobody else will be there. Yeah, right. That's wrong. That's Those are like the worst two weeks probably in the whole year. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think most people know that the the hardest times to go to Disney now are fall break, winter break, spring break, and that that's pretty much Christmas. Consistent. Yeah, Christmas. Well, yes, winter break, Christmas. I mean, those those are the times that are hardest to go. And so, I um, 
the, the, for me, the best times to recommend people are right when kids go back to school or right when they're supposed to be out of school, right before they're supposed to be out of school, because nobody's pulling their kids exam week uh, except me. And so uh, <laughs> that's what we're doing. Well, well you, you can pull your you can pull your your eight year old exam week. Yeah. Yeah. But I was pull I was pulling my teenagers. Oh, well, that's on you. I went September, the end of September this year for a travel agent convention. And I hadn't been in so long at a time where there wasn't many people. It was just, I don't know. It was so much more enjoyable. Yeah. All right. Last one. This is the very last one. And mine is going to be be aware of Disney stress. Uh, This is a real thing, uh, especially when you're in a hotel room with five people in the same family or four people in the same family. Just the fact that, you know, the old adage, when mama's not happy, nobody's happy. Well, when we're, we're only as happy as the least happy person in our family is sometimes on these vacations. So be aware that arguments are going to happen, that people are going to pout, that you're going to be rushed sometimes and lines are going to be long and somebody's going to cut you. You're going to get cut by somebody in line and it's going to frustrate somebody and you're going to want to lash out or yell, but it's always wise not to say anything and just chill. So my suggestion would be go into Disney being uh, prepared to be laid back and let things slide. Um, Don't get too upset about things um, because that will just stress you out because you're already stressed about so many other things at Disney, like how much you paid for this and are you going to get to do these things and am I going to enjoy it? So, that would be my advice. Uh, one of our best episodes ever, I think, was our uh, our uh, how to avoid Disney stress. So that may be my advice: is go back and listen to our how to avoid Disney stress podcast. Kevin, yeah, I would add to that that aw- be aware that other people are experiencing Disney stress as well, right? And so, like that that moment whenever you get hit, you know, on the back of the ankles with with a stroller or you know whatever else is going on, like. Just recognize that other people are dealing with it too. And so the way you navigate the parks um, and, and your ability to kind of lower that level in your own self and your own family is really going to make or break how you feel about the entire trip. So I completely agree with this one. Um, I will tell you part of the hard, the hard way that Disney kind of structures things, especially if you are doing genie plus and trying to get lightning lanes or anything like that is you got to wake up in time to be on your phone at seven o'clock in the morning, which means, you know, you've got to kind of plan for that. And who's, who's the level headed one that can wake up that early and still function for the rest of the day. You know, planning all of that will play into this. So um, yeah, I, I, I think this is a great one, Todd. All right. Well, that about does it. We have run longer than I thought we would on this podcast. We are going to shut it down and we'll be back with another interesting podcast. And that was the perfect segue to next week's podcast, Kevin, because one of my biggest points is going to be about what you just said. So we're going to talk about next week. We're talking about the changes we like at Disney World the last 10 years and the changes we don't especially like over the last few years. And so thanks for joining us. You're never too old to wish upon a star.